Hey there, fight fans. The Couchside Judges are back and ready to score some fights this weekend from our cushy seats in front of the big screen. And we've got big one on tap from UFC Apex with Stipe Miocic putting the heavyweight title up for grabs against Daniel Cormier to close out their trilogy. We'll talk about that one for sure. We've also got a special guest joining us, UFC Bantamweight Cody Durden. Cody's coming off that unanimous draw against Chris Gutierrez at UFC Apex two weeks ago. We'll talk to him about the scoring in that fight, which was his Octagon debut and was the first unanimous draw without point deductions in UFC history. Plus, Scott spent days playing the new UFC video game ahead of its release, and he's got some insight into how the judging in that game is. Spoiler alert, it's not great. It's not great at all, but we'll save that for the end of the show. I want to talk about this weekend first with UFC 252, the big heavyweight fight. It's not one that I'm really, really pumped about, like like through the roof pumped about, but I am excited about it. And more unique to me, I'm excited because you are going to come watch this fight at my place. First time since uh, COVID changed America. First time in a while. It has been too long. I've been watching all these fights by myself. Occasionally, my wife comes in the room, sits in there, doesn't care about what I'm watching. <laughs> Be the first one since Jones and Reyes. Jones Reyes, yeah, back in early February. That was that was for our very first episode, actually. How times have uh, evolved. Now, don't worry, everybody. You know, I'm responsible. I'm probably a lot more, um, uh, I guess, strict when it comes to following guidelines and things like that than even most people. So when Dan comes over to my house, he's going to sit on the other side of the living room, and I'm going to sit on one side. And uh, we're going to open all the windows and make it basically we're like outside and uh, and we'll watch it that way. Yeah, I think I'm going to be deloused as I enter. Uh, possibly. <laughs> possibly. I, I got to see if I can get a hold of some of that stuff. But uh, but, you know, let's talk about let's talk about the fight here. Let's talk about D.C. Stipe. Stipe putting the belt on the line. He obviously got the better of D.C. last time they fought just about a year ago. What does this fight mean for the heavyweight division to you? It means the end of it for a little bit. I the think. end of the division. For well, the end of it, it has to rebuild itself. Heavyweight, such a funny division. It's not my favorite it is a division. One. Yeah, no, I, I'm not the hugest fan of heavyweight in general. But for me, I guess what this fight means is that we can actually move forward because you know we've basically just had Stipe DC for the last three years with one challenge to DC from Derek Lewis thrown in there. Stipe, his last three fights are going to be, after this weekend, it's going to be DC, DC, DC. Yeah, and then I, after that, I suppose we'll see, depending who wins. If Stipe wins, obviously we're going to see Ngannou Stipe too, and uh, who knows? I would have to think so. I know. The first fight wasn't all that fun. No, I think, but I think Francis is much more prepared now. I think he kind of got over that hurdle, because he had never really faced big adversity in his career, and that was that was some adversity as far as how to handle it in the cage, you know, against someone of Stipe's caliber. So I, I would have to hope he's at least learned something in the last few years. Yeah, and, and just pray that DC weakened uh, Stipe's chin a bit. <laughs> that wouldn't hurt. But no, for me, I am I'm just would like to see this move forward, you know. Even Stipe versus Nganu, even though that's a rematch, that's even technically a new fight for the heavyweight title. So I like that much. Yeah, somewhat new, I guess. But uh, if DC does win... I really don't know what fight you make with Ngannou. Honestly, honestly, if DC wins because he's retiring, like you know, probably probably win, lose or draw, we're gonna get Stipe against Ngannou. 
All right. It's either Stipe has the belt when he walks in or Stipe's hoping to reclaim the belt when he walks in. But it's probably the next fight no matter what. That's what I would think. Yeah, it's just I have to agree with you there, then. It has a weird feel to it. Not that I would be disappointed for DC. You know, he would leave the game as, I'm going to say, somewhere in the top 15 all time for fighters. I, I'm, I'm not one who tries to put him too high into the GOAT conversation. He's just outside there. But obviously, if you're one of the 15 best fighters who's ever put on these gloves, uh, that's pretty great, right? <laughs> yeah, DC is great. Uh, I have a lot of respect for him. Uh, I probably put him a little higher. I mean, his only losses come to John Jones at 205 and Stipe at heavyweight. So if he can bounce back and win this fight, then uh, I don't know. He's pretty pretty high up there for me. If he wins, yeah, I think it's definitely one of the things where I could put him a little higher. You know, maybe maybe top ten. But you know, it's it's a tough thing because the fact that he probably made his name the most as a light heavyweight you know holding the title there when john jones was going through a lot of his uh personal demons and dealing with some of his other indiscretions i think we all kind of realize that daniel cormier is not better than john jones so it's hard for me to say okay just because he was the placeholder for john jones it was the best ever that i put him higher it's it's a knock Uh, you know i don't mean to to detract the man his career is amazing but you know john jones is still the goat before, during, and after, even when he wasn't fighting. Yeah, he's not better than John Jones. So it's it's tough. But as far as back to heavyweight here, you know, how do you feel about the kind of the state of the division? I know you're not really happy with it. I mean, I guess it's a little little better than I, I say it is, but you're a little more doom and gloom maybe than you ought to be. Yeah, I mean Francis Ngannou, everyone loves watching him fight because, you know, the fight doesn't really go that long often and it's exciting the way he ends it. Yeah, he's he's got a Tyson esque uh feel to him. Not, I don't know if he ins- you know, instills the same type of fear. But if you're watching at home, you're just waiting for, you know, that flurry to end the fight in, in the first minute or two. Yeah. I, the thing is, I, I don't like when we get two heavyweights who are paired to each other and, and, you know, they make it through the first round. And then we got four more rounds of them leaning on each other. It's like, wow, this is really boring. But that's the nature of heavyweights. I mean, typically cardio. Many not heavyweights. Be the yeah. At the top end, not so much. No, you got uh, Dos Santos who can go. Uh, you got Overeem, Overeem who can go. Uh, I always like watching Alexi Olenek. Uh, even he just lost to uh, Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis is fun if he gets someone out of there early. Yeah, I think for me, just the division in general, it's it's very much in flux. You know, you some of the names you talked about are are pretty much the only bona fide contenders that I really see in a post DC world. You know, Stipe is not going anywhere, as we already said, and Ganu. Curtis Blades yeah, is, you know, Blades he's up there. relatively, he's relatively young for a heavyweight, but, you know, I think his last fight showed that he's got room to improve and, and you know, Overeem could certainly have one Cinderella run left in him to finally get that elusive UFC belt. But, you know, I kind of doubt it. Other than that, I don't really know who's going to upset the order at heavyweight. Yeah, I, I really don't know. Other than John Jones. Is this the time for him to move up? It's always been the time for John to move up. It, <laughs> Probably. So I, I think it might turn into one of those things as, you know, what if, you know, what if John Jones didn't get suspended so many times? What if uh, he didn't get into a, a contract negotiations where he, he decided what if. where he decided to walk away and say, you know, I'm just not going to defend. You're not going to give me the money for the fight. It's a huge money fight. It's what everyone wants to see. You know, pay me for it or I'm just going to sit out. And I don't blame him. So I, I don't blame him either. Uh but you know, the longer it goes on, the older he gets, and the more of a what if it, it becomes. It's true. It's true. But for me, coming up to heavyweight, though, if he does return to the cage, I just I don't think there's anything left to prove at 205. I think 
that's the move to make for the UFC. While the, while this heavyweight division is in flux, bring up John Jones, let him go for a bit there as the light heavyweight division is starting to rebuild itself and, and you know, get some better talent in there. Uh, I think, you know, John can go hold the heavyweight division while they rebuild that division a bit. I would like that. I would like that very much. I would like them to pay John Jones what he's worth. You know, it, look, you can say what you want about John Jones, the person, but John Jones, the fighter is phenomenal and people want to watch him pay him just pay him yeah no reason not to pay him now just for fun just where we're talking about the subject of heavyweights who's your favorite mixed martial arts heavyweight ever it doesn't doesn't mean best but who is the one that you is your favorite your most fun to watch for whatever reason whatever criteria you need the one guy i was always excited to see at heavyweight was randy couture okay how come probably had to do with that you know i'm you know the underdog type story type deal Coming in, coming into the sport in his like early thirties, yeah. Older guy, I watched him throw Gonzaga on his head, which made him eat a knee to his nose when I was first getting into the sport. Oh yeah, you were very impressionable at this point. So I was like, man, Randy Couture, this guy's awesome. What about you? For me, it was actually the man who finally ended Randy Couture's title hopes, Brock Lesnar. Whoa. I know, I know. It surprises you, right? And I'll tell, but I will tell you why. And look, he's I'm not saying he's the best or the most dominant, but he was always fascinating to me. I'm I'm not someone who watched him in pro wrestling. I got out of WWF when it was still called WWF. You know, I, when they said get the F out of there, I, I also got the F out of there. So for me, I think Brock was just fascinating because, you know, I heard about him from fr- friends who were still watching WWF. I saw this mountain of a man. You know, I saw him in the video games. I remember when he was trying to make the Vikings and he almost made the Vikings, uh, Minnesota Vikings in the NFL, having not played football since high school, which is absolutely ridiculous. So you're talking about a phenomenal athlete. Guy was a freak. Yeah, he was a freak. So he had my attention. And when he decided to try MMA, he caught my eye. So that was actually part of the reason why I really did start watching mixed martial arts. I kind of was monitoring him when he was coming into that fight with Frank Mir. And then I remember sitting at college and, you know, I was like looking up on online. I'm like, what happened? Did he win or anything like that? You okay. know, and I wasn't really watching the sport at this point, but I was curious. And then I heard, oh, he, he like blitzed Frank Mir and he was doing so well. And all of a sudden he gets caught in this knee bar. I didn't know what a knee bar was, but I'm like, oh, man, yeah. it's crazy. <laughs> so I, he he is actually at least part of the reason why. I am into this sport for better or worse. You know, it's probably a weird answer to give, but he was definitely my favorite heavyweight. He was the one that I always wanted to watch. If we went back and looked at his second fight with Mir, that round where he just pummeled him potentially could be a 10 seven by this, by this new, uh, the new rewarded criteria. Are you talking about round one? Yeah. When he just, he just had him, he had him locked down. He was just punching him relentless to the face (laughs) You know what? What maybe what we should do? We should try to go back one of these days for past judgment, and we'll just do random rounds that are like potential ten seven kind of deals. Yeah, this was. I mean, he just mauled him. Yeah, yeah. That fight I actually watched the day after I went on the first date with my now wife. Oh wow. Yeah, Brock Lesnar is a is a good demarcation point <laughs> uh, in my life. <laughs> But again, he's not the greatest heavyweight. I don't want to pretend that he he is. He's not the most accomplished. He's not the greatest. He's not the most skilled. Dan, who's the greatest UFC heavyweight? UFC. 
And for that, we should probably be clear. Fighters who fought the bulk of their peak in the UFC. So I'm not talking about, you know, Minotauro, who was obviously awesome at Pride and then ultimately made his way to the UFC, but yeah. wasn't the same. Who's the greatest UFC heavyweight? The GOAT heavyweight? I think the, think the guy who wins this weekend. You you buy into that. If, I do. If DC I do, wins, he's the I, GOAT heavyweight. I do buy into that, yeah. I don't. I'm not buying it. I'm selling it. And the reason being, like I said, he's kind of a tweener. He he made a lot of his bones when he was at 205. And granted, he did it when John Jones was not there. But you know, you look at his record, most of his biggest wins came at 205. So it's it's tough for me to to put DC there. I get the argument, but I, I can't do it. So who do you got? For me, you know, if I'm ruling out, like I said, kind of tweeners, 205 to 265 guys that bounced around. I'm ruling out Randy Couture. Sorry. You know, it's just the criteria I've got. I'm going to say Stipe. Win or lose this fight, Stipe. He's yeah, he's the okay. go heavyweight right now in UFC. He does got big wins. I, I got to give him that. Yeah. I mean, again, UFC only. I'm making it really clear. Fedor is ineligible, guys. Yeah. Fedor is ineligible. Ineligible choice. You can't pick he Fedor. doesn't count here, but he's probably the heavyweight MMA goat overall. All right, Dan, that's enough for the heavyweights. We'll talk about UFC 252, make our picks later. Let's introduce Cody Durden to the show. Welcome to the Couchside Judges, Cody. Thanks for taking the time. No problem, man. No problem. So, you know, they were saying on the broadcast that you were about to get your purple belt when you got the call to fight Gutierrez here. Dan and I are blue belts, so we wanted to know if you ended up getting your purple yet. I did. I actually got my purple belt on Monday. So uh, Nice. Congratulations. Awesome. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. Wear it with pride, my friend. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I had, I had it for two years. I mean, uh, three years. So it was it was about time. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. I, I feel that. So, so about the fight. When you first heard the words, "This fight has been declared a unanimous draw." What went through your mind? Uh, you had a pretty good poker face on. You know, were you surprised? Man, I I, I was surprised. Yeah, at the moment I was because it came so soon. You know, uh, after I fought uh, July 18th, it came so soon. So. I was definitely surprised and uh, excited, man. Excited. So, uh, but when you found about when you found out that it, it was, was a draw, when you heard those words, yeah. Uh, when, when I when I found out it was a draw, uh, man, I, I was I was kind of surprised, yeah, because you know I I didn't know I, I wasn't thinking about you know the first round and it being so dominant, you know. Uh, I I knew the second round was close, uh, but. I wasn't sure because he caught me in that on bar and you know, that's a, that's a submission attempt attempt. But, uh, I thought, you know, I thought I won the fight if, uh, I wouldn't have got caught in that on bar and I would have stayed on top the last 30 seconds and done some damage. But, uh, yeah, man, it is what it is. And, uh, I'll take it. Yeah. So, uh, what did you say to him right after in the cage? It looked like you guys were uh, talking a little bit. Oh, I, I, you know, I, I told him a uh, good fight, man. I said, damn, my leg hurts. And then he said, yeah, my <laughs> jaw hurts. I was like, <laughs> he said, my jaw hurts. And I said, damn, what from? He said, that jaw crank in the first round. And, I, and then I started laughing. And then I said, well, whatever happens, let's try to get this 50, this 50 Gs for a fight of the night. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Right on, he right started, on. He said, he said, good idea. So. <laughs> So, Cody, you know, we have something special that we want to do with you today, uh, and that's offer you a little bit of insight that fighters don't normally get, you know, because Dan and I, we both talk to working judges and working officials and stuff. So we had the chance to ask a veteran judge who's worked many UFC events to give his assessment of the rounds and kind of tell you why they were scored the way they were. Are you up for it? Okay. Yeah. So 
Actually, before we start, Cody, have you ever read the scoring criteria from the ABC, or have you ever spoken to a judge about how they score the fights? I have not, no. All right, well, hopefully this will be, you know, kind of enlightening for you, give you a little insight. Um, you know, we'll just call this person Aaron Judge. We don't, we're not going to give it the real name, but, but Dan's a big Yankee fan, so we'll call him uh, Aaron Judge here. <laughs> I don't know if you're a baseball fan. Okay. All but, right, uh, so, that'll work. So, uh, so Aaron Judge here, he says that round one was a pretty obvious 10-8 for you. Obviously, it was unanimous here. Uh, the reason being that because your takedown and your back take happened so early in the round that it, and basically you had it until kind of the last second of the round that they were able to give dominance and duration, which are two things judges kind of look for when they're given a 10-8 round. Uh, now, I know you haven't been to the judges too many times as a pro, but was this the first 10-8 round that you know you've earned? Uh, yeah, I mean, as far as I, I suppose, yeah, because it was on paper uh, that I know of 100%. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You you kind of have this style that I feel like lends itself very well to getting these ten eights because you're very you're kind of pushing the the pace and you're you're always kind of constantly trying to do something there. I feel like that kind of yeah. plays into your advantage for you. Yeah. So as far as the that round two, you know they like to look for damage, of course, as a big thing. You know, you think obviously putting out damage is a, is a good deal there for you. So even though yeah. maybe some of those shots that you're landing there they weren't necessarily high power shots, but the constant offense that's what really helped you compared to the fact that gutierrez he didn't have any offense really in that round so that's why they were able to give out that 10-8 for you yeah so when you're throwing strikes from behind like that what is the goal with them what are you aiming to kind of do are you trying to open them up or are you just trying to kind of keep busy or what is it you're looking to do there uh well i'm, I'm trying to i'm trying to keep busy uh you know it wasn't a really a a, a moment i could generate a lot of power until he bailed down and when he belly down, you know, I landed four or five strikes that were very, yeah, very did. vicious. And, uh, you know, and then, you know, my goal was to flatten him out. But, you know, he went right back to the same position and was nothing but defense the whole time. So, uh, for me, I wanted to keep the position and, uh, you know, make him work to get out and get my finish. But, you know, he sat there like, like a defensive little bitch. And that's why it was a 10-8 round. So you were cranking on his jaw in the middle of the round, like you mentioned before. You know, did you think you were going to finish from that, or were you just trying to open him up even more, maybe give you, you know, get under the chin and then actually uh, sink the choke in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was looking to get under the chin, but uh, you know, I, I had the jaw crank. Uh, it was in very, very tight, and some people tap from him. Other people, you know, that are that are tough and durable, like Chris, they don't tap from those. But you know, j you know, I know. No, that that was causing pain to him, though. Did you get the sense that because this was your UFC debut and you went against kind of a UFC veteran here that the level of competition really did change against Chris? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, he's probably the best I've ever fought. Right on. So in rounds two and three, these are the rounds that obviously went to Gutierrez here. You know, I know you said it was kind of close until that arm bar. And, and then in round three, obviously, it was a little more his side. Uh, I'm sure you saw... Gutierrez saying, oh, you know, I deserved a 10-8 in round three because he got one in round one. Uh, and the reason that he didn't, if in case you're curious, is just the fact that you had effective striking of your own to kind of balance out his, whereas in the round you won, Gutierrez didn't have anything. So that's why you won that round so dominantly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So is, is that something that kind of now that it's happened to you that you can kind of say to yourself, man, I really got to make sure I'm pushing the pace here and I'm making sure I'm staying active, um, especially when I'm in positions of control, like really attacking it, just so just so you can kind of, not that you're necessarily trying to win on the judges' cards, 
but at least you can continue to impress them while you're trying to get the finish. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So we talked to a, a lot of judges and referees who say that almost no fighters express interest in learning about the scoring criteria, which, you know, always surprises Scott and I because, you know, half of the fights actually do go to the scorecards. We were wondering if you right. had any if you had any questions uh, about what judges are looking for, anything that you think could help, you know, for your future fights. Uh, not right now. I mean, that's, that's, you know, you, you definitely opened my eyes though. You know, I need to, I need to be looking into this stuff and, and, and learn more about it, but I just haven't, you know? Uh, well, you're not alone there, Cody. I think most fighters really, they haven't been doing that, but because you're so young in the sport, and and not only that, you you've got that wrestling base, you know, two time state champ, right? Right. Yeah. As as a two time state champ wrestler, you know, you hear all the time probably from the commentators saying, "Oh, you know, he's got to get a takedown here to seal the round." When yeah. when judges are actually looking at a round, though, they don't care if it's just a takedown. They want they want what you did with the takedowns. So if you get the takedown, and let's you know just use the Gutierrez fight there, you were able to get the back pretty quickly. That's what really yeah. impressed the judges. It wasn't just that you got the takedown. So you definitely want to push from there. Yeah, yeah. So what do you guys think about uh, uh, if you watch my fight? What do you think about the second round? Uh, you know, if if I would have got the takedown in the thirty second, the last thirty seconds, instead of you know getting caught in that arm bar, uh, if I would have done you know a little bit of damage there, what do you do? You think that round could have been mine? In in our at least in my opinion, uh, Cody, I would say. If you were able to have pushed for some damage there, and you know some definitely, not just kind of pitter patter stuff, but if you were to let's say pass to side or, or pass to half guard and maybe posture up for a little bit of heavier shots, like you like the, some of those shots you got in round one, you know that kind of limited window you were talking about where you let, you really opened up, those make yeah. a big difference. Yeah. So that yeah, probably could have done it. Yeah. All right. Now, what do you what do you think about open scoring too? Because obviously. It's something that people have been talking about, but it's it's only available in in Kansas at this point. Is that something you would really like to be able to see, where you get the chance to actually know where you stand in the fight? Yeah, that would have been that would have been great, man. Because I'm telling you, I would have pulled back in the second round some, uh, you know, instead of just going forward and pushing the pace. And my style is, you know, I look for a finish at all times. It's kill or be killed, and that's why, I, you know. Uh, you know, that's why sometimes I get tired because, you know, I'm, I'm literally going after somebody, you know. And uh, if it was open scoring, I could have pulled back in the second round and and really uh, settled in instead of just going full forward, you know. Would that, if you had done that, would you kind of said to yourself, okay, maybe I can relax a little bit in round two, but then saved it more for round three where you'd push even harder? Or, or what do you think you would have yeah, done there? It, yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. All right. So, Cody, what's next for you? I hear you'd prefer a full camp for your next fight, but, you know, or that you might actually drop to flyweight. You know, you could possibly find yourself in the title picture pretty quickly there. Uh, you know, I'm we're just, I'm discussing it with my managers, and, uh, you know, hopefully I can drop to flyweight. If not, you know, I'll bounce back and forth and, uh, you know, continue to fight. And the, the goal is to get re-signed and get some, get some wins and get re-signed. And uh, that's, that's the only goal I have right now. Uh, I'm back training, and uh, I'm ready. I'm ready to improve and and uh, get over the straw and, and get some wins, man. Yeah, how does it feel, kind of now that you've had a little bit of time to sink in with the draws? It, does it feel a little weird still, or does it feel not so bad because at least you didn't lose? No, well, I mean, I feel stagnant. You know, I, I, I do feel 
like I need to improve. I know there's there's another level to it, man. And and he opened my eyes. Of, of, he gave me something to work work on. You know what I need to work on. What do I need to improve on? And and that's what he gave me. And uh, you know now I know some things I need to improve on. And uh, I'm gonna, I'm working on the, that uh, right now. You know so that my next fight uh, I'll be a little bit better. You know. Do you want to run it back with uh, Chris at some point? Uh, if it happens, let's do it. If not, and so be it. You know, he, he doesn't really, I, I never heard of Chris before I got the call to fight him. Like, you know, I, I want to fight, I want to fight somebody with a name or somebody that had a name or somebody that's, that's, uh, you know, on the rise like himself, but with a little more pop, you know, this is the entertainment business as well. And, uh, and, and that's what I like to do. I like to fight and I like to entertain. Well, Cody, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. And before we go, is there anything you wanted to plug, sponsors, teammates, uh, your social media? Uh, that's it, guys. Uh, thank you for having me and, uh, you know, look forward to the next one. Yeah, thank you. And best of luck, Cody. Uh, we'll be we'll be looking for you the next time you're out there. Thank you. Right. Y'all have a blessed weekend. Thanks, Cody. You, you as well. Too. Cody seems quite interested in judging and scoring and how things are 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 looked at by judges so he can improve his skills and, and improve his chances of winning uh, when he comes yeah, to fight night. I, th- I think we might have uh, might have given him a little bit of an idea here, and I hope it's not something that gets in his head or anything like that, but you know, I think it's really important for fighters to know exactly who it is they're trying to impress if a fight does go the distance. You know, He's still trying to win, and the, fight, the criteria still allows for fighters to push for victory, but now if you know the criteria you know how to push for victory so that if you don't get your finish, at least you can hopefully get the round. Yeah, I think he understood enough going in that, you know, that jaw crank, rear naked choke type deal weighed heavy for him and those big shots when he was able to actually put something behind his punches in that first round. I think he understands. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's he's no dummy. He he definitely knows the fight game. But, yeah, I, I think knowing how that works into his favor and, you know, any fighter listening, potentially listening to this, I hope that they take these lessons as well. I hope they ask questions, uh, you know, and, and I hope any fighters are, if they're ever interested in getting answers to how the criteria works and how it applies to fights, you know, reach out to commissions, reach out to the ABC. Heck, reach out to us. My DMs are open at Scott underscore Fontana on Twitter. You can always reach out to me. I can answer the best I can or the least maybe try to find an answer by speaking to one of the officials that you and I speak with on the regular, you know, when the, when the mics are off. Yeah. It would be nice uh, to have the whole sport understanding of the rules, like every other sport. I hope so. I I hope we get to that point. I want all the fighters to be as informed as they can be, you know, no fighter should be confused as to why they won or lost. They all deserve to know. But in this case, you know, at least Cody seemed to uh, be interested in learning a little bit more. I think we, like I said, tipped tipped his, uh, tipped him off to something that can help him in his career, and he's still young in his career, so I, I wish him all the best. Yeah, definitely. But let's look on to UFC 252 now. You know, We've got the big pay-per-view this weekend, Saturday night. Miocic and DC, like we talked about earlier. You have a pick yet? Where are you leaning? I think it's going to be DC. He's going to go out on top. How How do you think? You Was he going to knock him out? Decision this one? is... There's only one way to end. It's going to be a knockout. That That's the only way this trilogy can end. If this trilogy ends on a... Split decision? Can you imagine? Oh my god, be be. I don't even know. What would it be? Robbery? It wouldn't be robbery. It just wouldn't. It just wouldn't be that closure we need for this trilogy. I think. 
Well, I tell you what, I actually do think DC will win. I'm not confident in this at all. I've kind of moved back and forth here and there, but I do think it's going to be a decision. I think it's going to be an easier decision. I don't think it's okay. going to be something where we're we're trying to figure out, oh man, who was robbed and this just marred the fight. No, definitely no robbery. No, I think it's I think it's going to be a good fight and I think we'll get a clear winner one way or the other and I do think it's going to be DC in this case. I just think I think he's going to lean on the wrestling even more and effectively cage. use that to to control yeah the small cage that's honestly this is where and you and i have debated the effect of the small cage on fighters but i think this is definitely where it plays the most of a role is for a wrestler who's trying to get his hands on somebody and dc knows that dc is one of the smartest most cerebral fighters that you're going to find so i think He's going to be smart here. I think he's going to work the wrestling, and I don't. I don't know if he's going to push that hard for the knockout unless he, uh, unless it's there. You know, I think he's going to be smart. Last fight of his career. You don't think he wants to go out with a finish? I think he wants to go out a champion. I don't think oh, okay. he cares Doesn't if he gets care. a finish or not. He's eyes are on the prize, my man, and, right. and no one is. Again, there are a few fighters as smart as DC, and I think yeah. after the last fight, he's going to be more focused than ever, and I think he'll be disciplined, and I think he's going to win it. But hey. You don't give Stipe any openings here. He'll no. capitalize. We've seen yeah. it plenty of times. And if Cormier can't handle the grind of, of these five rounds here, you know, he's 41 years old. Who knows? Maybe uh, maybe tires later. Stipe gets some more openings and he just ends it later in the fight, just like he did last night. Yeah, we shall see. We shall. Uh, and, and the judges for this one, we already know the three judges assigned to the title fight, which is Derek Cleary, Sal Diamato, and Junichiro Camillo. And I have to say, Cleary and Camillo have been phenomenal over the last couple of months. I think they've been two of the best judges that we've been able to witness in any of these kind of bubble scenarios we have between Fight Island and UFC Apex. So I'm glad to see that they got this assignment. Other judges that we'll likely see here are you know, Chris Lee, Eric Colon, Tony Weeks, Mike Bell, Ron McCarthy, kind of the usual names that we've been seeing. You know, I don't know one way or the other on them, but I would expect the majority, if not all of them, to be there. Usual Nevada UFC event judges you know but what about the other fights on the card what do you want to see most oh for me it's definitely junior dos santos against jarzinho rosenstrike i i love jds i'm a big supporter i appreciate the positivity he brings he's always smiling i like happy people shout out to the happy warrior roxanne modafferi love happy people um having said that i think rosenstrike's gonna knock him out and i'm sorry to say that oh all right honorable mention though i should say too sean o'malley going against marlon vera the Bantamweight fight there. I don't love the booking here because I think Sean probably deserved someone who was coming off a win and not a loss. This is definitely just some sort of, I think what they hope is a showcase fight. I think it's going to be a fun fight, but Vera is much more durable than I think people realize. He's never been finished. He's never been stopped. I think O'Malley takes it, but I think it's going to be a, a tougher decision. I'm going to go with O'Malley knockout. Okay. I mean, hey, why not? But uh, I mean, he's been phenomenal with these KOs lately, but... I just I think Vera's not a pushover. I think he's going to be able to last. What about you though? What's the fight you want to see other than uh, other than the main attraction? Should not be a big surprise here. New Jersey's own Jim Miller versus Vince Pichel. Obviously, uh, Jim will be setting the record for most fights in the UFC octagon at 36 on Saturday. At least until Cowboy fights two times in one night or something like that. <laughs> I, they're going to be neck and neck for a little bit. It'd be a night. I, I hope they. Both of them are just motivating each other to keep fighting, and that's the first of fifty. And then well, I think I think probably Cowboy for sure. I think Jim likes it too, but you're starting to get the sense that he maybe sees the end of the tunnel coming. Yeah, we'll see. He was talking about it this week, but 
He talked a little bit about it with us uh, a couple months ago, too. Yeah, it's true. He, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with Jim's submission. Okay. Uh, yeah, I can probably get behind that. I, th- I think he'll probably find a way to finish it. it. Jim Miller's a finisher. We know this. Definitely. But one of the greatest perks that Scott has for being a MMA sports uh, and sports in general journalist is he gets access to uh, video games before they're released to the public and gets to play them and then provides a review. So all well, these- yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't want to make it seem like someone just gives me a game. It's like, here you go, have fun. I am reviewing games for money for outlets who would like me to do that for them. In this case, Den of Geek. So Scott has been playing the UFC four video game all week. I have been playing it ever since the end of Saturday's UFC event, and honestly, I'm exhausted from it because it's all I've been doing with my free time, and that's not fun when you have to play a game. But having said that, you can separate yourself from that and still be able to enjoy parts of the game, um, which was provided to me by uh, EA uh, for review purposes here. So the one thing I would like to say is, other than read my review, which is up now at denofgeek.com, I want to talk about the judging, because that's what we do here. The judging in this game is god-awful. It's just trash. Is it just random? It feels so random. Let, let me just kind of hit off some of the things that bother me about it here. Just just sit tight. You know, I'm going to give it to you. Submission attempts, even close ones, carry almost no weight. That you, you can't tell. It doesn't even give you in the stat breakdown whether someone went for a submission. So I have no idea if that's even a factor in whatever criteria decides who want to fight. There's no rhyme or reason to who wins a close round. You know, so, sometimes... It seems like uh, more significant strikes will do it. Sometimes it's more total strikes. Sometimes it's a knockdown will carry a lot of weight. And other times, it makes no difference if you got a knockdown, even in a really close round. I don't get it. I wish I had asked creative director Brian Hayes about the judging in the game when I interviewed him last month for Den of Geek. That's my fault. I dropped the ball there. So, look, most fights aren't going to go to the judges in EA Sports UFC 4. They're just not going to do that because you're going to find a way to get the finish. But there is a mode in this game called blitz battles right do you know what do you know about this mode yet nope okay so blitz battles it's an online mode and you kind of enter these quick 64 man tournaments and in blitz battles usually you do go to the judges because it's hard to get a knockout in one minute in ea sports ufc4 unless you know you're really good or the other guy's really trash or someone just made a big mistake so it usually ends up in the judges but i can't wrap my head around what actually wins a fight because of all the reasons i outlined i i don't understand this mode seems to put a big old microscope over what's wrong with the way fights are judged in this video game. Never leave it up to the judges has never felt more right than it does in this game. So it's totally a UFC game in that respect. <laughs> but the game, I should say, it's it overall, it's a solid game. You know, again, I hope you'll go read my review at denofgeek.com, but it's probably the best EA UFC game that we've seen, not by a wide margin. I do like the new submissions, but it's it's not perfect. There's there's still more that I think could be done. And that's going to do it for another Couchside Judges. Thanks again to Cody Durden for joining us. Dan and I will be back again on Monday morning to talk about the end of the Heavyweight Trilogy. Hopefully, we get an epic end to this years-long rivalry. Be sure to subscribe to our show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you found us. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Couchside Judges as well as myself at Scott underscore Fontana. 
My DMs are open, so hit me up with any feedback. Follow me on Twitter at DanUrbanMMA. Have a good weekend, everyone, and enjoy UFC 252. Later, guys. (laughs) 